okay everybody uh, welcome to another uh, yet another uh, session of diplomacy directs uh, expert talks uh, today we are uh, so today we have honor to have uh, major general uh, amitabh joshi uh, with us who was the additional director of uh, military intelligence he was the advisor to the army chief at army headquarter level for matters of uh military information intelligence defense and cyber security uh major uh, general joshi is uh, decorated with the uh, vishishta seva medal for his distinguished service of high order four times recipient of uh, chief of army staff uh, commendation card award and uh, two times uh, general officer commanding in chief uh, commendation card award so uh, uh welcome uh, general joshi thank you so nice so uh, today we are going to take an overview of the current uh, taliban uh, in governance now in afghanistan and 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 the framework the situation the uh, the, the fragility of uh, the interview so basically taliban's existence has come from the afghan warlordism leading to conflicts and fragility in the country uh the ussr in afghanistan the uh us supported mujahideen led offensive under the great names like uh, lion of panjshir ahmed shah masood in 1990s and then the defiance of ussr era brought for uh, you know the for and against uh, uh, politics the warlord politics of these mujahideen commanders and uh, basically this has over the time led to various factions and which aided in the formation of taliban uh, going ahead which ruled afghanistan from uh, 1996 until 2001 uh, until the us got in afghanistan to fight terror after the 911 attacks and then taliban brewing away for uh, 20 years resisting here and there and now uh, uh, after this uh, after this takeover again uh now uh, marshal abdul uh, rashid dostam the infamous warlord of the northern afghanistan declares his offensive in his home province of uh, uh, jawzadan uh, to support the uh, fight against uh, taliban alongside ahmed shah masood junior uh, uh, with uh, amarullah saleh's uh, political will so putting all these things in perspective until now uh, general doshi could you take us over from here uh, for the turn of events until now in brief certainly uh, very nicely covered i will just uh, try and put in perspective what is the uh, geography of afghanistan and how the events have unfolded till now mm-hmm. uh, so number of points you have already covered i'll just put them in perspective mm-hmm. uh, you see afghanistan is a very big landlocked country mm-hmm. it is one fourth the size of india yep 6000 uh, 650000 square kilometers is the area of afghanistan mm-hmm. and the population is just about 3 crore 60 lakhs so while the area is large population is less it is arid country with a lot of uh, mountains and very treacherous uh, landmass mm-hmm. 
uh, 42% approx people of afghanistan are below poverty line the literacy rate is very low just about 35% on an average and women literacy rate is even lower which is uh, which is to the tune of 20% or so so we see a country which has got rugged terrain large areas uh, tracts which are not occupied areas illiterate people poor people so this is the current situation of afghanistan but this was not so earlier mm-hmm. in early early 70s late 60s kabul was one of the very good and uh, happy towns happening towns those days you will be surprised mm-hmm. that in kabul university the girls used to go and study higher study for higher studies mm-hmm. and they used to wear skirts mm mm-hmm. those days skirts was not common in india mm-hmm. leave aside any other muslim country mm-hmm. but in afghanistan people were quite uh, liberal and i would say secular ahead of their times ahead of their times so yep. was in lebanon so was in beirut but over time things have changed and somehow or the other the communist leaning started in afghanistan mm-hmm. which led to emergence of two parties one is khalaq party another was parcham party mm-hmm. and these two parties were about to usurp power in in the time period of 1977 78 and this was happening because of russian influence of course the leninist and uh, marxist leanings were taking place that time mm-hmm. those days cold war scenario wherever ussr usa can be far behind so usa steps in mm-hmm. to take charge of the, or to contain the situation so to say that afghanistan falling into the hands of ussr that time mm-hmm. what happens is it gives emergence of mujahids first time the word was coined mujahids mm-hmm. and the initial start of you can say terrorism of islamic nature with islamic uh, fundamentalistic ideas mm-hmm. came into being mm-hmm. what was happening at that time pakistan the ziaul haq with his thought of islamic making a pakistan a islamic country mm-hmm. bhutto had already given way so all those things happened and the thought process of pakistan was to how to punish india and for that they wanted afghanistan in their back door and started doing this business of mujahids hmm. money was us saudi arabia and us were providing funds training started in Afga- uh, in in uh, pakistan mm-hmm. with isi and pakistan army provided training to mujahids mm-hmm. there was no dearth of manpower because of poor illiterate people both sides Mm-hmm. basically they started that time training pashtuns now pashtun is a community which is living alongside durand line durand mm-hmm. line is a line which divides afghanistan and pakistan mm-hmm. this pashtun community is living on both sides of the border of durand line so this and having marriages and having socio social ties either sides of the border 
So the start of Mujahideen happened that time, mm-hmm. 1970. To contain the situation, 24 December 1979, Russia moves in, crosses Amu Darya to move into Afghanistan and take charge of the situation. Mm-hmm. And for 10 years, Mujahids keep fighting Russians. Finally, Russians leave in 1989. whatever happens to afghanistan let it be they withdraw because their own problems in ussr were growing mm-hmm. so they did not want any appendix of problems this was in favor of us mm-hmm. and the ally of us with that time the best ally best friends were pakistan, pakistan. and us and in this bargain now mujahids grew terrorism started and mm-hmm. other people joined in money mm-hmm. was there arms were there the russian army also left huge quantity of arms and mm-hmm. arsenal mm-hmm. this was taken over by them and that's how slowly mujahids became jihadist taliban came into being mm-hmm. from that period on 1989 onwards as you just said that till 94 95 96 Taliban came into rule to on Afghanistan. The warlords were there fighting each other. Whosoever is the uh, more powerful, he became the ruler. Correct. So, 2001, we find finally Taliban has taken over Afghanistan, and we will not go into detail what atrocities they committed that time. Mm-hmm. What point to notice that what has happened in these years of five six years? preceding the taliban rule and during taliban rule the international terrorism jihadi terrorism islamic terrorism whatever you call it mm-hmm. grew mm-hmm. grew multifold mm-hmm. they got more weapons they got more money they got more manpower they got fighters from all over the world mm-hmm. right from chechenia to china to sri lanka to india to bangladesh you name it that country was involved Palestine, Syria, Iran, Iraq, anybody and everybody was gravitating towards Afghanistan for what jihad? Hmm hmm hmm. What is that jihad? And jihad is against who? Only they know it. Hmm. And as you said earlier, nine eleven happened. Al Qaeda came into being. Who? Hmm hmm. Where was Al Qaeda leader trained? He was trained in US. Where was he hiding in Pakistan? Hmm. Who killed it? Who killed him? US. Two thousand eleven. Two thousand eleven. They killed uh, Osama bin Laden. Two thousand one. They stepped into Afghanistan when they first bombed the country, mm-hmm. and for ten years they were fighting the so-called jihadist. Hmm. Once they killed the Osama bin Laden, they started thinking, "Why stay in Afghanistan? What is the point?" Mm. Russia had by then gone out of this scene. Mm-hmm. There was nothing much to fight as far as America was concerned. To their thinking, they had contained the Islamic terrorism. Whatever happened in Iran, Iraq, ISIS, Syria, it is one part. We will not dwell upon it. We know it. So what we see that from 2014 onwards, America started thinking of withdrawal. 
Trump held on because he wanted to fight. Mm-hmm. Came Mr. Biden, and he wanted to withdraw. He withdrew the U.S. forces without any understanding as to how Afghanistan will survive here and after. But this statement of mine is also not hundred percent correct because he was given the understanding that here is more than three lakh sixty thousand. Afghan nationals, which are Afghan National Army and security forces, they will look after their country and they will be able to fight off Taliban, oblique mujahids, or Correct. and we will keep funding them. We will pump in money. They will fight. Yeah. But as they say that you plan something and happen something else. Similarly, here also there was money, but no morale. No morale. So. within very short duration when they decided that they will withdraw you find that taliban has moved in mm-hmm. and today within say about just 3 4 5 months uh, taliban is well entrenched into afghanistan and is has formed a nation and is trying to rule the country today uh, america has withdrawn fully mm. who is looking after today uh, turkey is been brought in to to secure the so called kabul airport now you we all know what is what are turkey's leaning and how turkey has been behaving uh, towards islamic uh, terrorism and west but beggars can't be choosers they are the only ones today who are there yeah and with turkey going again towards the neo ottomanism <laughs> It's 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 some situation there. Yeah, it, it is a tricky, very tricky situation. People, those those who are into it can understand. Normal person is uh, will not be able to understand which are the uh, which are the linkages at which all places. Okay. It is massive. But I would just say that all the terrorist groups are linked. They may name anything. They may be affiliated to anybody, but mm-hmm. somehow the, the wires are linked here and there. Too many people ask question that why Afghanistan army succumbed. It was three lakh sixty thousand, and the reports coming in were that uh, Taliban is just about fifty, sixty thousand, seventy thousand at best. So why such a large army has succumbed with all the arsenal or the modern equipment available to them? Uh, one must understand the psyche of Afghans. as you said afghan is a war torn country and in the last 50 years they have been fighting they are warlords whoever has got more weapons more strength is the person so the weaker party joins him or has to fight or get killed so the afghan side today is it survive mm-hmm. to fight another day so whomsoever they find is more powerful they try and back him uh-huh. instead of backing their own uh, thoughts oblique uh, lines of uh, understanding or their belief mm-hmm. it changes as per the power shift one point second point is today afghanistan is one of the very very corrupt countries i think one or two countries are only below it chad and some other country it is ranking one of the top most corrupt country in the world hmm 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 so the money changes hand and the warlords 
exchange money and they exchange they change their loyalties from one to other so this is another part so these two things corruption and this kind of thought process that we should change sides is the reason why entire army has just not fought and has given way to taliban afghanis will fight other people mm-hmm. they 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 hate they dislike other people coming to afghanistan and ruling them but within afghanistan they are okay as long as a guy is afghani they are fine with it he may be anybody hmm. he may be he may be a pashtun he may be a tajik he may be uh, kazakh kyrgyz uzbek anybody anybody but he should be afghan yeah at uh, one point i just missed out afghan the population division of afghan is pashtuns are approximately 45 plus percent close to 50 percent but another 45 50 percent are uh, uzbeks mm-hmm. and tajiks first mm-hmm. about 20 20 25 29 then are uzbeks then are hajras and then are others some shias uh, earlier on in 70s the sikh and hindu population in afghanistan was about 9% mhm today they are saying 1% but i don't who mm-hmm. is done any kind of survey mm-hmm. nobody mhm and uh, well as uh, we all know thousands of year behind uh, afghanistan was a hindu country buddhism and hinduism Yeah. yeah bamiya buddhas you yeah. can you know that bamiya buddhas are there mm-hmm. and uh, gandhari was from kandhar mm-hmm. shakuni was from the prince of kandhar mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. afghanistan so this is the uh, historical background and today's situation this so I basically think. the kingdom of kandhar now that you bring it up uh, was from kandhar to the modern day pakistan a lot of part of pakistan up to peshawar so that that was the span of the, that kingdom absolutely correct it was all hindu country the yeah. uh, britishers divided india in three parts pakistan punjab pakistan that was india mm-hmm. in 1947 now we know pakistan if people go back in history it was india yes or no bangladesh mm-hmm. so at some point in time afghanistan went out of india in 1947 pakistan went out of india Bangladesh went out of India in seventy one or forty seven, whichever way you want. So this is how is the historical perspective, and the, I wanted to just bring out how things have unfolded and what is the situation today in Afghanistan. So today we see a Islamic rule, Taliban rule in Afghanistan, and the events I have already narrated. Yes. Okay, so uh, now let us talk a bit more into uh, you know will and capacity of uh, Taliban. So the Sigar report says that the Taliban made revenue of uh, you know estimated one point five billion annually. So you covered the point about economics over the um, over the religion or the uh, religion driven radicalism, but that's aside. Uh, the revenue uh, plays a vital role here. So one point five billion. annually uh, in the earlier 2019 and a recent estimates say that 
the annual exports of opium are easily upwards of 2.5 billion worldwide now drug trade being the 60% of the annual uh, revenue um, employing more than uh, uh, 120000 afghans for cultivation um, it it makes it as a as a as a national occupation and a cash crop right uh then money coming so uh, mineral and precious metal mining makes an annual uh, 100 million for taliban as per the uh, un analytical support and uh, sanctions uh, monitoring report right uh, uh, they say that taliban received more than so now we are talking about smaller denominations so uh, uh, somewhere around 10 million per year from 25 to 30 illegal mining operations in uh, uh, southern helmand province and then they are making uh, uh, a 4 to 5 uh, million only by selling and rerouting electricity taxing the truckers taxing the infrastructure projects and then um, uh, many many more right uh, many enterprises that they operate now illegal arms dealing will be added to the portfolio very soon right <laughs> now with all this money the taliban maintained uh, estimated uh, 70000 to 100000 fighters uh, now the number has increased to estimated uh, 200000 to 300000 with defected members of the us trained afghan uh, uh, military with their military equipments and everything uh, with vehicles technologies uh that the us has left behind and uh, others that they are you know getting funded and supported by likes of turkey china russia you name it and everybody is in there right now and all this doesn't seem to stop so uh, so general sir can you bring out the capability of taliban at the present and what does it translates for india very nicely brought out and you have covered many facts good question the if we say strength of taliban we have to understand it in few headings one is the physical strength of fighters the second is the arsenal available to them mm-hmm. the war machinery available to them mm-hmm. and to sustain these fighters and war machinery what are the funding available to them mm. and not to forget now taliban also has a country very very important point hmm. it was a rogue element it was a terrorist group hmm. now it has a country to itself hmm. strength of taliban let's first take that earlier in 2016 and 17 people used to talk about 35000 40000 taliban are present in afghanistan us army was in force and fightings were going on so as i earlier brought out they are very smart people they change side as per the power equation change hmm. so that time taliban was on the back foot pakistan was under pressure by us not to support taliban mm-hmm. so taliban was high and dry situation changed when us started planning to move out and started thinning out mm. slowly and steadily 
the strength of Taliban grew. And you very rightly said it, uh, by about uh, end of 19, beginning 20, they were about 50, 60, 70,000. And which grew by the turn of uh, end of 20, 70, 80,000. And that's when they started moving in and start taking control of various districts of Afghanistan. Mm. Slowly, but steadily. And today, they they had given a very nice propaganda. You must understand this, how the terrorists are using this aspect of propaganda. Hmm. They said that either uh, the, they gave this propaganda to the uh, Assam National uh, <laughs> Afghanistan uh, National Army that mm-hmm. if you want to survive, join us hmm. or get killed. So there, after all, whosoever is in the army, their kith and kin, their family is in the villages or in the various places, in okay. far off places, they cannot safeguard those. So this pressure was, pressure tactics was applied and Afghan army succumbed. So today, if we see, as I had earlier said, and you also very correctly brought up, the strength of Taliban could be anything 2.5 lakh to 3 lakh. So having seen the physical strength, now coming on to the arsenal. Approximately 70,000 or so vehicles, number of various trucks, jeeps, vehicles have been left by the forces, US forces and allied forces. Mm-hmm. Some 1,75,000 communication equipment, various kind of surveillance equipment, communication equipment, radio set pieces and things like that have been left. Similarly, what Taliban was lacking so far was aircraft. And helicopters. Mm -hmm. 208 pieces of helicopters, aircraft, fixed wing aircrafts have been left. So, similarly, tanks, guns, things like that. And the best part is that more than 6 lakh small arms, that Mm -hmm. is rifles, sniper rifles, pistols, Klashnikov, has been left over there. Mm. Not that Taliban was in had any dearth of arms. Pakistan was supplying, China was supplying, money was coming, they were buying it from various places. But now that uh, that item or that arsenal is in abundance and freely available to them. Mm-hmm. So all this will find place somewhere or the other. Where will it be? Only in the vicinity. Near Correct. vicinity, n- nearby countries. Correct. To go to go out and get either reversed engineered for uh, maintenance and spares. It may go out for you know a, a better versioning of the same equipment, uh, or or even to understand what is the capability and capacity of that technology, so that if it is countered sometime later in other war theater somewhere, you know it it can be well countered yes you are right the only good point is that do not have anti air missiles because us was not using them they were not requiring them mm-hmm. so that is one good part uh, cannibalization of weapons will take place mm-hmm. now you see in ilaqai gair since i have been dealing with this subject for a very long time i very know very precisely and very correctly that there are there are uh, factories there are people who are manufacturing weapons in Ilaqai Gair 
area called in Pakistan on the border of Pakistan and Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. It's called the AK-47 capital of the world. <laughs> yes, you may name it anyway, but the point remains that they can make even a machine gun over there. Mm-hmm. So all these equipment which is lying over there will get cannibalized and will be used somehow or the other in various places. But yes, uh, having said that, let's also understand that uh, electronic equipment, uh, very sophisticated um, vehicles, they their spare parts and their uh, maintenance may be an issue. Uh, let's see how it comes up. But may be an issue, may not be an issue. Uh, initially, they may find it difficult to use them, but later on, they will find a way to make use of all this equipment which is lying there. Mm. Coming on to the, we have tackled the arsenal, we have tackled the strength, coming on to the funds. As you very correctly said that now, they have got funds of various types. Uh, Drugs, 90% of opium in the world is produced in Afghanistan. And entire money will come to them only. Mm. They will only give peanuts to the people who are producing it. Yeah. Actually, they are tackled they are taxing the uh, the purification laboratories in in upwards of 20 25% of their production so not only you know the supply chain is getting set up it's 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 um, it's, it's coming up and it's it's again reverse taxed for the gain of the Taliban regime. In 1999-2000, the production of opium had increased by 40%. I am sure this time it will increase by 60%. 300 million US dollars is the trade of opium annually. So all, if, okay, you take out 50 million, 200 plus millions will go to Taliban. Hmm. Without mm-hmm. any. 2 billion assets Taliban is already having. That's what is uh, that's what are the reports uh, talking about. Hmm. So, so much of funds available with them and countries like various countries which are already trying to give uh, give um, support to Taliban will start funding for various reasons. To Afghanistan, when they fund Afghanistan, of course, some of money will find its place to Taliban. Some may go for other works also. Mm-hmm. I'm not denying that. The two basic routes of opium trade are Balkan route and Russian route. Balkan is via Iran, Iraq, mm. and uh, final Turkey, and finally it goes to Germany. And, mm. and the Russian route is via Tajikistan, Uzbekistan, and uh, Eastern European countries and Russian European countries. So this is how the money spinning is going on for Taliban, they got no dearth of funds. Besides, that I'll cover a little later, the amount of uh, resources in Afghanistan, the rare earth materials, uh, uh, the uh, energy in car countries, oil, gas, and uh, such kind of things are already there. So they will mine and they will start taking, making use of them. Mm -hmm. One more point is that uh, in uh, Cherki, uh, Pule Cherki, there is a prison called Pule Cherki near Kabul, which was housing 7,000 dreaded Taliban people who were arrested by US in during their course of 
uh, this jihad fight mm-hmm. they have been released and now they are with the taliban so now what we seen we see the strength one which is trained by our us itself the uh, the ground soldiers the mid level and senior level hierarchy is coming out from pole charki 7000 dreaded taliban who were already doing something hmm in past hmm and hmm. the taliban leadership which was there 60000 70000 1 whatever it is so this is a very very deadly and heady combination of all the aspects country I'm, so basically i am coming to that so again on this point dialing back to the 1990s and uh, so india had her own concerns right about taliban from the uh, mullah rabani led taliban back then and uh, when isi was uh, sourcing militants from uh, taliban and when uh, uh, 10 to 15000 fighters were demanded uh, rabani was ready to divert uh, 100000 towards kashmir and now coming to the present day scenario uh, like you rightly said right so taliban has released several uh, top uh, so tarike taliban uh, commanders al qaeda isis terrorists from uh, different afghan cells uh, prisons uh, and and they will do what they do the best always right so uh, so that that all is going to boil down to a lot of escalated issues now india was always been infiltrated by isi field in, insurgents uh, terrorist groups even before now that now that this has happened uh, in the current scenario it's no surprise that india is going Uh, to be now susceptible to increase uh, influx of border crossing militants and subsequent terrorism uh, activities with this context sir can you give your thoughts on the geopolitical scenario and the islamic terrorism around afghanistan india and overall globally absolutely this is uh, you have touched a harness nest here <laughs> Yes, as I had said, that Talib, uh, Afghanistan is a very large country and it is landlocked. It's mm-hmm. got boundaries with six, seven nations. Mm-hmm. To be precise, it has got boundary of two thousand four hundred thirty kilometers with Pakistan. That's the largest boundary it has. Mm-hmm. Then one thousand two hundred and six kilometers with Tajikistan. Some nine hundred and nine hundred and thirty-six kilometers with uh, with. Yeah. with uh, iran 744 kilometers with uzbekistan and uh, turkmenistan and 137 kilometers with uzbekistan it has a boundary with pok that could have been india mm-hmm. uh, of about uh, good about 100 plus kilometers the wakhan corridor wakhan corridor falls today with the uh, china china and they are using it they have put a brigade there mm-hmm. to lock which is about Uh, um 18 kilometer at the widest and about 34 35 kilometers long uh, finger jets into uh, aksai chin area mm. and that is how the wakhan that's called wakhan corridor uh, mm. in china and that is how china is having its link links with uh, pok and to afghanistan the xinjiang province Jing, in xinjiang province so this is how the boundaries are and mind you none of the boundaries here are having any 
much of a fencing. Hmm. It is only in places, other places it is not there. So it is not like JNK border hmm. where there is fencing and you can have some semblance of security over there. And all the borders are not even guarded. So there are large tracts of areas which are uh, which are uh, vacant. And yeah, susceptible they to infiltration. Yeah. Anybody can move across those areas, whichever. Now, since you asked that what is the scenario with Afghanistan and what is the geopolitical scenario with various countries. So let's see all the uh, countries which uh, India and Afghanistan are having uh, uh, close to their borders and mm-hmm. having stakes with. Firstly, we'll talk about Pakistan. Mm-hmm. So 2,400 kilometers of border, half of it is not having any fencing or uh, any worthwhile fencing, I would say. Mm-hmm. Pashtun is the community which is a larger portion staying and they are crossing borders uh, on either side. Taliban hierarchy is mostly Pashtuns. Tehreek hmm. Taliban is one group which is fighting against Pakistan army and they want Pashtunistan hmm. which is again a cousin brother of Taliban. Well, Pakistan has, we all know Pakistan has been supporting Mujahid, uh, whether it was Mullah Omar who was trained, whether it was uh, Osama bin Laden who was trained in US itself and, and was staying in Pakistan. So you name is all the terrorist leaders or Islamic terrorist leaders have been having association with Pakistan and being trained at Pakistan. Various training camps are on. The reports which I was reading just yesterday are that Pakistan has already started shifting terrorist camps from Pakistan land to Afghanistan. So they have got a terrorist country now. Mm. So they can do any of those things. Who will challenge? Whether it is Lashkar Taiba, whether it is Jaish e Muhammad, you call Arkatulan it Taliban. Taliban. You, you call it by any name. There are more than 300 terrorist groups. Yeah. The point to understand here is they are all linked within. Hmm. somewhere or the other the linkages are having only thing is for various reasons for various sanctions for funding purposes for various uh, purposes they keep changing the names and the names are different but Hmm. the bottom line is that they are Islamic terrorists they are anti-India they are anti-Hindu they Hmm. are anti anti anything which is there other than Sharia or other than Islam. For them, anything... And their their flavor of Sharia, not, not the original flavor. Whichever flavor it is, it is not a good flavor. <laughs> the reports are coming in that they are chopping hands of women and putting those hands in... Uh, they have chopped off hands of three girls. So, I mean, what kind of uh, sh- law, what kind of... Uh, understanding of law is this only they can explain mm-hmm. whatever it is it is this we have seen it in past we will see it in future also what people are talking that this taliban is different sorry there is no difference if it is sharia sharia is only one yeah and that, is, that is sharia 
there is no logic there there is no understanding of it there is no interpretation it is only one so we will not talk about it. now what we see that while all this is happening in afghanistan what are the situation between pakistan and afghanistan while pakistan has been supporting afghanistan and taliban right through on all the terrorists but but there are problems here as i said the tehreek e taliban doesn't recognize duran line mm. and they want pashtunistan mm. so there is a there is a shia terrorist groups who are trying to who are getting funded via iran and getting support from iran to fight against sunnis mm. the number is less their strength is less their support is less but there is a group so what i'm trying to say here is that all these fightings will take place whether it is in pakistan whether it is in uh, afghanistan wait and watch situation is going to get worst mm. so plus the relationship with pakistan and china is also very tricky mm. because china has been trying to blame pakistan for uh, uh, uyghurs and the xinjiang province and the uyghur movement but they have been saying it in low voice because they want support of china because of the 60 million us dollars of expenditure that they have uh, they have incurred 60 billion that they are planning to incur on the cpec uh, on the on the belt and road initiative yeah so this is a very very delicate and tricky situation for the nations like afghanistan pakistan and china all three are friends also but they are enemies within also hmm. <laughs> so it is not it is just a marriage of convenience and not of ideology neither of any thought process it is just because at present they need them. coming on to tajakis i'll just go over country by country sure i'll, I'll touch about uh, all the countries almost tajakistan now tajakistan is having as i said the population distribution of afghanistan about 25 plus percent of hmm. uh, population of tajakistan is tajiks hmm. and they are tajak from tajakistan mostly the tajiks are staying in panjshir valley hmm. which is a valley which is being today the ex vice president mr sale is uh, Defending. is heading ha uh, is yeah. defending and is heading the so called resistance movement against taliban he has got 20000 plus fighters the total population of panjshir valley is about 1 lakh hmm. various some people are supporting uh, this tajikistan how long can they support what all can they support how long with mr saleh and his party will last hmm. it's a, only time can tell we cannot guess that but the point which we see here is uh, tajikistan is also very very skeptical and it has gone to russia russia and tajikistan has formed kind of understanding hmm. uh some 6000 troops of russian russia has placed in tajikistan on the border they have provided 1.1 million us dollars mm-hmm. to create fence emergency in quick time Mm-hmm. and also establish post 
on uh, Afghanistan Tajikistan border hmm 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 how it unfolds will uh, need to see uh, already they are good about uh, large number of 1.1 uh, million of of uh, tajiks are uh, taking refuge in tajikistan and these things will create problems they will they have got weapon they will i mean this fighting is in their culture so they mm-hmm. now they'll keep fighting whichever in fight take place will be problematic to that country it will not remain peaceful and it will spill over to other countries mm-hmm. it it cannot be only restricted to that geographical area now uzbekistan there are about 3.5 plus million people uzbeks in afghanistan hmm a, a very quirky turn of events uzbekistan has said they will not allow a single refugee inside hmm. they have closed their borders hmm now where will these uzbeks go they are not with so they are finding alliance either with tajiks or they will go with taliban hmm they got no choice so uh, this problem is with uzbekistan and uzbeks uzbekistan again is trying to get its security apparatus uh, uh, honed by china as well as by russia Mm-hmm. so they are seeking help mm-hmm. coming down to iran as i said iran is supporting the shia population it has already taken more than 3 million uh, refugees over a period of time in a long time they are supporting monetarily training and various other ways uh, to shias mm. iran is also a major major route of opium trade which taliban would require so they will have to make friends with taliban uh, with hmm. iran though it hmm. is a so called enemy country hmm so very very precarious and tricky situations with each of the country while yeah. they ethnically they are same but uh, they will not be they are not coming together in hmm. that manner the way they should china well china as we all know is one country which only looks after its own interest mm. to help with others his interest in uh, his interest is twofold in afghanistan mm. one is as i said the rare earth material and other minerals that is used for high end batteries high end batteries and also in uh, ai and the chips mm. uh, to make ai chips high end chips so it is the more than 1 trillion worth of uh, these kind of uh, minerals are there in afghanistan which china wants to mine hmm. so his interest is somehow he should he was getting some access earlier he should keep getting that access to mine these minerals hmm. plus he wants to keep car countries also in its fold for two reasons one is again the belt and road initiative second it is a market uh, 2.5 billion dollars market is there in car countries for china the trade is happening hmm. and third the most important of all is the energy 
some 5 trillion cubic meters of gas is available in car country mm-hmm. that is as per the assessments mm-hmm. and some 400 or 500 million barrels of oil is available so china one more very interesting point china has got very huge reserves of oil and gas you know that but it is not taking out even one single barrel of it hmm it is only taking out from other countries either is taking out by fair means or unfair means hmm. but it is buying from or taking it away from various countries so his interest in car countries is this car countries and afghanistan plus he wants to keep uh, pakistan also on its side he has a problem of in xinjiang region Uyghurs, the uh, three four terrorist group of Uyghurs mm-hmm. are being trained in Pakistan. He knows that. Mm. Now they will get further training in Afghanistan, and Afga- Pakistan put together. Now Pakistan will have an ally, and uh, and a very easy easy uh, point, uh, kind of uh, you say um, that I, it was not me; it was Afghanistan. Mm. Or it was Taliban, so he can uh, he can pass the blame on to some other people. Mm. So this is the state of China. Again, a tricky situation. On one side, this is happening. On second side, he has gone in the secret pact with the countries like Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan, uh, uh, Kazakhstan, and Russia. So mm. the. secret security pact has taken place already in this just about one week time now oh, okay. we talk about uh, saudi arabia mm-hmm. has been funding 3 billion us dollars money has been provided to pakistan and afghanistan in last about 10 15 years by saudi arabia turkey is providing support both ways uh, political support and also to radicalize people they are supporting and this radicalization is for all india hindu uh, west christian anybody and everybody mm-hmm. so it is not that this will affect only india and will affect other countries also what happened in sri lanka yeah absolutely and 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 seconding to your point here is now these things will give a, a kind of a validation to all the terrorist groups so we are looking at hamas in palestine we are looking at uh, you know smaller factions of islamic uh, resistance in even even you know smaller or you know unrelated countries like burkina faso you know somewhere <laughs> so yeah i i know i, I understand where you coming from yes so so this uh, russia again is skeptical what will happen and will the terrorism move into russia which they are skeptical about they are fighting this islamic terrorism themselves mm. so if you see now coming to india per se what would happen the previous rule of taliban insurgency started insurgency uh, not started it got aggravated mm-hmm. in uh, jammu and kashmir and other parts of india so many bomb blasts took place maybe something similar will happen now also so india has to be very very careful on one side india has provided 3 billion us dollars worth of 
uh, infrastructural aid to Afghanistan in these past years. It has got more than 400 projects, 400 projects running in Afghanistan, road, making hospitals, schools, uh, making the parliament, um, uh, dams, electricity supply, and this, that, railways, uh, many, many things. So all this uh, is happening. 40 to 50,000 Afghanistan refugees have come to India in these past years, and they are still maybe coming. Mm-hmm. So India is in a very delicate situation today. Mm. Pakistan, China is hobnobbing with Afghan, uh, Afghanistan and Taliban. India is on the side. So what? So India has to tread very carefully, mm. keeping all these aspects in mind. We will touch it little later. Another country which we should talk about is Nepal. Over a period, Nepal has got distance away from India. Today, Nepal is one of the largest ISI and Islamic terrorist hub. You'll be surprised to know that. Mm-hmm. 97% of Muslim population of Nepal is stay is living in five districts of Nepal, which are in the Tarai region of Nepal, which are bordering Uttar Pradesh, Bihar and West Bengal. Mm-hmm. More than 1 lakh people of Nepal have got converted into Islam in last 10 years. People don't talk about these figures. You will not get them very easily. But I'm telling you this, this is what is happening. Bangladesh. There are 37 Islamic terrorist groups in Bangladesh today. There may be more, 37 which which we know of. And they are fighting against the Bangladesh government. Hmm. They are fighting against India. They are fighting against anybody and everybody. The, the Their leaders have been trained in Pakistan. The Islamic terrorist group of Rohingyas in Myanmar has been trained by Pakistan. He, he is also fighting in Myanmar and also will fight India. Hmm. Sri Lanka, we just spoke what has happened. We all know it is not very far past. 300 people got killed on that Easter Sunday, Islamic Mm. terrorism. Mm. 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 India had given this information to Sri Lanka, but they could not uh, get their act together. So this is the situation of all the neighboring countries of India and Afghanistan. It is very tricky, very precarious. Already things are happening of grave nature in these countries. Mm. India has to be very, very careful in dealing. I'll just touch upon one BBC report which had come. They had done a research and they said that uh, in 2017, some 3,670 attacks had taken worldwide as Islamic terrorist attacks. Mm, mm, That mm. is almost more than uh, 11 attacks per day. Wow. And in 2019, only in first two months, 5,020 attacks took place. So this is the type of thing we are talking which had happened in past. Now that they have got a full country to themselves mm-hmm. and an alibi. This is going to just extrapolate. This is just going to increase. This is the point I'm trying to make here. So this is how 
the situation today exists in our neighborhood for India. So, so this brings a very graver revelation to everybody, right? And that that that's that's why analysts like me and experts like you must have these kind of potent talks so that the world, the global community knows what's going on. Anyways, so you touched base upon this point where. Uh, uh, they will have to cut some deal. The Taliban will have to cut some deal with uh, Iran and, you know, with 940 kilometers of border and everything. So even them being a hardline Sunnis and, you know, uh, fundamentally against the Shias. Now, uh, we, we, we also spoke about some factions in uh, Sharia. So there are six, total six factions in Sharia. Um, five are Sunni factions and uh, there is one dominant uh, Shia uh, faction of uh, Sharia. So looking at the extremist version of the Hanafi school of Sharia, it's, it, it, uh, it's been very flexible version of Sharia, which was originally built for uh, uh, consensus and independent reasoning, which Taliban and other factions and uh, terrorist groups have exploited historically to bend it into public policy and uh, global uh, non-existence formalizations to uh, the ruling convenience um, as, as and when they will, right? Uh, looking at this framework of hardline governance, what implications now do you see uh, over, uh, over the time? So, uh, from now on in Afghanistan, uh, under Taliban rule, uh, what what are the implications that we can expect? Yeah, before I talk about implications, uh, you just mentioned that uh, Sharia and how they believe in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the blast that took place in Kabul airport, which killed 90 plus people, mm-hmm. was by ISK. Hmm. Now, what is ISK? It is IS Khurasan. Hmm. What is Khurasan province? Earlier, where the Sharia originated was from this Khurasan province, in which Afghanistan, Pakistan, and entire North and East India, uh, right up till uh, Bangladesh mm-hmm. and parts of Myanmar, going right into Iran and beyond, is Khurasan province. Hmm. So this is what is the thought that at some point in time in in future, this will be the first phase of uh, uh, Khalifa, that is what they call Khalifa movement, Mm -hmm. where the Islamic rule will happen and later on they will move on to the entire world. The Grand Caliphate. Grand Caliphate. So this is what the Caliphate movement. So, now they have already started talking about ISK, Khurasan province, Chaye. So, when you talk about all this, anything and everybody is their enemy who is not Muslim. Hmm. They'll keep fighting with amongst themselves also. They are fighting with Shias. But then they say that Shias are not pure Muslims, only Sunnis are. So, hmm. various factions are there. We'll leave at that. It may take uh, days if we start talking about it. Coming on to the uh, implications, more important. You see, 
as you earlier had brought out the belief that now they can have a country and believe that one taliban group if they can win so can we so anybody in every small group or big group capable group or non capable group they are taking they are celebrating it and they are taking uh, getting emboldened mm. they are getting moral boost mm. and they are getting psychological ascendancy over over the their respective government their respective uh, people so mm. this is what is given them a tremendous moral boost to any and every terrorist organization in the world mm. as i earlier said that uh, now they also have a country which is a which would be the most likable destination for any and any, any other terrorist okay. so all he has to do is he somehow reach afghanistan and he is in heaven and uh, all kinds of resources are available whether it is uh, numbers whether it is money whether it is arsenal all thing is available to them today the only thing is they may have to ship it to their respective countries but they have a support base hmm. whether it is psychological or material all the support base is available to them uh, plus they got uh, leadership mm-hmm. they got middle level leadership they got higher level uh, level leadership and they got war experience also so anything and everything that is required is available to them as on today and this is a tremendous tremendous moral booster to all of them it causes a very very severe security concern to all the nations not only nations which are closer by but nations which are far in the west also so basically this is this this mimics the very sentiment after the uh, vietnam war where a small country can uh, defeat a bigger power and then the other countries those who went into a uh, independence or a non cooperation movement kind of a thing again that sentiment was different uh, in terms of struggle but today like you rightly said so uh, islamic state so the uh, the isis they will create their own uh, you know believe system of getting in power we can see some really strong problems getting created issues getting created in the gaza uh, where hamas is operating you know so, uh, so on so forth so uh, what are the primary issues that you think will be faced by india in the near future what should the government consider on priority also what are the diplomatic and military options available to india and how should we exercise them very pertinent question but before i ask answer this let me also touch upon why america has withdrawn people have been asking this hmm uh, america came in for a purpose over there one to to take revenge of their uh attack and they wanted to kill osama bin laden which they did hmm second they wanted to curb the islamic terrorism they achieved to certain extent but then they realized we are too far away for this why muddle into somebody else's uh, affairs mm mm-hmm. economy of us is going down they were having problems US, earlier there was ussr that's why 
uh, America has perforce had to uh, muddle into Afghanistan affairs. Today, the situation has changed. Hmm. So why unnecessarily re- drain resources in country like Afghanistan? Hmm. Let them let it is a problem of West Asia. Let them get sorted. Hmm. Let them sort it out for themselves. Why should we sort out the problem of this? Point number one. Point number two. If they leave Afghanistan, who will come into fray? It is Russia, China, and uh, India. U.S. is U.S. is uh, is if not who is in competition with U.S. China, Russia, and maybe far below in line India. By moving out of Afghanistan, what have they achieved? They have embroiled China, who was only looking after its own interests. Now he has to do something about it. If he wants to be a global power, there's one thorn onto China. Russia will get involved through car countries or otherwise. India will, in any case, get involved. So India will not grow out of its shoes. It will remain with US per force. Hmm. So they have played their cards well. We cannot blame, we shall not blame them. Well, it has created chaos. That was the intention. Why would they create peace in West Asia? Let the chaos happen and let Asian countries fight for wherever they want, whatever way, whichever they want. So this is their thought process, which if you come to think of arguably, it is in their interest. It is in American interest. Why should hmm. they drain out their economy fighting? Hmm. 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 What to what gain? Well, Islamic terrorism will get boost. They will spread further. We'll see what happens later on. Let Germany, let UK, let uh, car countries, let China, let India, let uh, Russia fight all that. Hmm. When it comes to Canada. When it comes to America, we will see. Hmm. This is one school of thought. Yes or no? Correct. So this is what is their way of thinking. And that is why they have left. Uh, we may criticize America. Fine. We are at liberty. No, and a, 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 a point to that also is if the, the strategic uh, or the analyst community knew that this is happening, they could have thought on the other point that there will be a day where America will leave, right? Point number one, point number two, if they are asserting a certain kind of force, there should have been a part where we should have known, including India, that right now would have been the right time to go in, make a stronger uh, deterrent force and uproot the entire, you know, Taliban warlordism uh, uh, driven, uh, you know, the movement uh, out of uh, the region and reinstate not only the army, but the entire social structure, the entire country. And that would have helped in the longer run. So India, like you rightly covered some time back that India did some investments 
for infrastructure and you know other sorts of rehabilitation but we should have also contributed in the military deterrent uh, deterrence uh, uh, efforts well uh, vipul you are right but uh, we are talking in retrospect so one can always talk yeah. about these things Absolutely. you cannot know what is going to happen unfold how the future will unfold Yep. point number 1 point number 2 india has done tremendous work in afghanistan i don't know whether you have visited the country or not i have so so afghanistan people they have very very liking big liking for india they don't like pakistan they don't like china at all hmm. but they don't like us also but they love india and they love indians they have great respect for india and it is across the board the only thing is when it when the uh, when the klashnikov is in his hand then he only sees hindu and muslim yeah this is the problem but so, so looking from a diplomatic country. and military you know perspective so what are our options right now yeah options available to india to the way i look at it are that we accept this taliban trio hmm. when i say taliban trio taliban pakistan and china yeah uh, uh, i mean uh, i may have uh, gone beyond the uh, correct words but that's how is my personal feeling it yeah. may not be correct to talk like that but this trio is a deadly trio and india accepted this is one option second option could be that we support the tajiks saleh has been there and he has been good friend of uh, indian government and, and so we support tajiks and we create a resistance movement in afghanistan against taliban and the country which is already war ravaged keep it war ravaged for another 10 years 15 years whatever time frame and uh, this is one second option third option could be uh, we wait and watch but then watch what and for how long hmm. and uh, how things will unfold one can't say so that is one third option available to us and yeah. the fourth option is available is that we go to we are already in un uh, in the, uh, in the thing so we create an environment in un that sanctions are placed against afghanistan and taliban un peacekeeping force is sent into afghanistan Mm-hmm. and uh, situation is somewhat contained as you were trying to say politically and militarily we should uh, we should engage afghanistan maybe yes and this is the time that we should uh, pressurize other countries not pressurize convince other countries that this is what the best option available in today's uh, time so these are Sir, the- by far you 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 you, you uh, you touched a very sensitive but a very crucial point which i'm not li- hearing a lot of uh, you know people out there talking is about the un peacekeeping forces so until now there are not there's not even uh, you know conversations happening about this do you see the un charter failing here somewhere without doubt what has un done in any of the countries for that matter what has un done in jnk hmm. there is a, there are people posted in jnk yeah 
but uh, what have they done they they keep moving from uh, this part of kashmir to pakistan occupied part and they keep moving up and down so very opportune it's very opportune you bring this topic because few months back i did a session uh, with uh, mr omkareshwar pande on the unmogip the observership in india and pakistan so <laughs> yeah i understand where you are coming from <laughs> you see in african countries what is happening in un missions we are yeah. also sending indian army is also sending a, a very large contingent to various countries mm-hmm. so the, in palestine what is happening so un has got its very limited kind of a role to play but whatever we can think on these lines and we can start making some efforts towards that side so this is these are the options available today hmm. and uh, well india has already taken initiative to yesterday uh, the meeting in qatar yeah. our envoy yeah mr mittal has gone and met the taliban uh, person political head not hmm. some uh, sundry person he has spoken Sunny to the poli- yeah so he has gone uh, and met him mm-hmm. and whatever would have i mean we are trying to work out the uh, on on external fronts on international scenario india is doing fantastically well i think so we are doing our uh, bit how it unfolds what happens only time can tell so sir very quickly uh, as a summation of our conversation what do you think is the way ahead from here way ahead <laughs> yeah that is the bottom line i mean what to do yeah uh, on international front as i had earlier brought the russia has gone into some kind of a security understanding mm-hmm. uzbek tajik china everybody has gone india should also go in for international cooperation of int sharing and exchange of intelligence and it may uh, require for any in future any military uh, adventure mm-hmm. then also it will help so we should have parallels with all the car countries mm-hmm. we should have parallels with even pakistan we should have parallels with china and russia mm-hmm. which we are having with america we cannot afford not to have ally hmm similarly with uk and with the uh, australia which will provide us good intelligence israel we are already having so internationally and the taliban itself afghanistan itself iran muslim countries arab countries you name it and any and all countries we should have parallels with hmm one forum should be for all the rim countries nepal bangladesh sri lanka which are our next door neighbors myanmar mm. all these countries we should have a parallels with and we should in context with taliban we may have differences but in context of taliban we must have parallels we must mm. have information exchange international level this way we should deal which we are already doing i am not saying we are not doing but at the same time internally also we have to get our act together which is not there i am sorry and feel very sad to say that hmm. we talk about in sharing lot of 
things, lot of equipment is there, a lot of meetings take place, but actual end sharing is less. Hmm. And especially with states, CIDs and state uh, IB, while international arena we have covered, the issues with an internal situation and internal end sharing are little uh, not up to the mark as it should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, the states like Kerala, the state CID, their own intelligence, the police, they must get their act together and must share the intelligence with all the neighboring states and the central agencies. States like Kerala, uh, West Bengal, uh, Rajasthan, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Maharashtra, Evish, Bihar, they all should get their act together, which are having more Muslim population or also having neighboring, uh, uh, I mean, the borders are touching the neighboring countries. Correct. These states must have their act together and must focus on uh, not only the political issues, but national issues of security and intelligence. And that real-time int sharing must take place within the internationally also and internally also. So inter-agency and intra-agency int sharing is a most important thing today. Second, we should have the surveillance equipment of best nature which is available today in the world Hmm. to counter aspects of whichever way the uh, threat is coming towards India, whether it is through sea, air or land. We should have the best of the uh, available equipment, the AI and best of the people doing the intelligence, mapping, analysis, collation and creating a database wherein you you can predict, you can analyze and you can you can counter the threat which may come towards India. So this is my take on it, aspect of way ahead. All right. So, uh, sort of thank you so much for your time. Uh, we we covered a broad spectrum of possibilities and um, counter moves. Uh, I will uh, request all my viewers uh, to think upon these points, and we will bring you eminent speakers and experts like uh, General Joshi, uh, as Diplomacy Direct has always been doing. Please like and subscribe. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you, uh, uh, General Joshi. Um, it, it was it was delightful uh, having this conversation with you, sir. Thank you. So nice. All the best. Take care. Bye. Good day, sir. Good day.